Hello, everyone. Welcome to this weekend's worship at CVL. My name is Tim Spiegelberg. I'm the pastor right here at Carbon Valley Lutheran, and I am overjoyed that you're joining us. Today, just one announcement I want to make. We are um, making progress or moving forward on our renovation of our former plant nursery into a church. And so within two weeks, actually July 20th, we are scheduled to start that renovation and some of the demolition. So if you've been waiting for, anxiously waiting for something to happen, it's gonna be coming very, very soon. Those permits have been in process and uh, hopefully within the next couple of weeks, you'll see some things happening. So if you're local and you've got, you're out and about, drive through, see if something's going on and uh, maybe bring those guys a bottle of water or Gatorade as they're gonna, gonna be working hard in the summer heat. So those are all my opening announcements. Let's begin the worship of our Lord then for this weekend of July 12th. As always, you're gonna find everything you need in your service folder. You're gonna find that um, at the link in the same spot that you're finding this video as well. You're welcome to follow along there or you'll see the portions of our liturgy and our service folder on the screen in, uh, embedded within the video as well. So we begin the worship of our Lord then today. We make our beginning in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. As we join our voices in praise to God, let us do so as believers throughout Scripture have done. Let us approach God with a clean conscience. We know that throughout this week we have not always acted as God would want us to, so in order to walk to the Lord with clean hands and with a pure heart, let us join in the words of Psalm 51. And you're welcome to speak these words along with me at home. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. For I confess to you my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Against you have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Surely I was sinful from birth, Sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. And now take a few moments of silence for personal repentance. Here's the good news. You are fully and completely forgiven because of Jesus' sacrifice for your sins. Guilt and shame are no more because of Christ. Rest in God's grace. Go in peace. You are a child of God. Amen. And let us pray. Lord, as we seek to follow you, be with us as we suffer for our faith. Give us courage to not only speak your name, but to live your values. We ask this so that our witness will change hearts and lead others to the freedom they have in you. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. At this time, we continue with our children's lessons. So if you've got any little ones at home running around the house, this is a great time to gather them together. And I've got a gospel message that's intended just for them. Hi kids, thanks for joining me today. Are there things that you're afraid of? Maybe you're afraid of the dark. Maybe you're afraid of spiders. Are any of you afraid of spiders? Maybe you're afraid of snakes. Hmm, maybe you're afraid of bears. Maybe. There's lots of things that we can be afraid of in our life. And one of those things I got to see last week. 
I went on a vacation with my family. We went to a place called Yellowstone National Park and they had all kinds of animals, almost every animal that you could see. And the biggest one, and actually the scariest one that I got to see were bears. In fact, it was a mama bear with a little bear cub. And that reminded me of a sign that my son Drew has that we got in Canada. Now what's this sign telling you? It's saying, run away from bears, right? It's saying that bears can be dangerous for us, right? And if you encounter a bear, that's true. They're dangerous, right? Um, but actually, maybe even better than running away, what we do for bears is we make ourselves big. And, and bears are actually very scared of us as well. So you make lots of noise and you make yourself big. And maybe the last resort is that you run away. But that's how we get bears to kind of leave us alone. But sometimes we're afraid of other things. Maybe it's not a bear or a spider or the dark. Sometimes I think we're afraid of maybe sharing our faith, of telling others about Jesus, because we're afraid that they won't like us. We're afraid that maybe they'll laugh at us. We're afraid that maybe they'll make fun of us because we call ourselves Christians, right? And so I think that there are times when it's not bears that we're running away from. But unfortunately, I think there's times that we run away from Jesus and run away from sharing our faith. Well, Jesus' disciples, some of his followers, were a little bit afraid as well because Jesus said, I'm sending you out, but you don't have to be afraid because I'm going out with you. In fact, he says this. He says, are not two sparrows sold for a penny, yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. So here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying that he loves you. He's saying that he walks by your side. He's saying that you do not need to be afraid sharing your faith because he is right there with you. And Jesus is bigger and stronger, more powerful than anything you're going to run into in your life when you share your faith. And that's the comfort he gives us. Me, all by myself, I'm weak. But with Jesus at my back, I'm strong. And the same is true for you. Jesus is with you. He walks with you. And he's got your back. Let's say a prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you for being with us, for being stronger and bigger than anything we will encounter in this life. We thank you for leading us and giving us strength to share our faith in you. And most importantly, for reminding us that we are loved and we are forgiven. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for coming, kids. We now continue with our readings for today from God's Word. Our opening reading is taken from the New Testament book of Philippians chapter 1. We're going to read verses 18 through 21. Uh, in this, we're just reminded, the Apostle Paul rather tells us that for him to live is Christ and to die is gain. And what Paul is saying is that he knows that whether in life or in death, God is going to be with him. Read from Philippians chapter 1, beginning at verse 18. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. 
And our gospel text for our consideration today comes from Matthew chapter 10. We're going to read verses 24 through 33. This will be the basis for our sermon this morning as well. So Matthew chapter 10, beginning at verse 24. The student is not above the teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for students to be like their teacher and servants like their masters. If the head of the house has been called Beelzebub, how much more the members of his household? So do not be afraid, for there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. Do not be afraid of those who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. This is the Gospel of our Lord. We begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, dear brothers and sisters in Christ. Today we're going to talk about things that are dangerous. Um, we're going to let Jesus kind of guide us in that. But I experienced that firsthand this last week. As some of you know, I, I spent some time with my family who live up in Cody, Wyoming, and we got to see all kinds of things. We went through Yellowstone and we got to see every large game animal that North America has, uh, including a mother bear with her cub. And so we saw all kinds of things. But what was remarkable, the most dangerous thing that I saw over that time with my family came at the rodeo. So now if you know anything about Cody, uh, they have a, a rodeo that happens every single night. And if you've ever been to a rodeo, you know how exciting those are. And so we went as a family and we got to watch all of the events that were there. Um, got to watch the barrel racing and the calf roping. Um, we got to watch the, the horse riding. But the, the, the peak, the climax, the most excitement around, uh, the most exciting event of that entire rodeo is, you guessed it, bull riding, right? In fact, that's kind of uh, everything leads up to that bull riding because it's so incredibly dangerous. You literally, adult grown men are strapping themselves to a bull who is nothing more than horns and muscle, 2,000 pounds worth of muscle, uh, willingly strapping yourself to the back of that thing and seeing how long you can stay on. And bull riding is incredibly dangerous. In fact, statistically, it's one of the most dangerous sports that anyone can do. So bull riders get injured so frequently. And so I'm watching this, we're watching this, and we had our little nephews along, and everybody is enthralled by this bull riding, and it lasts for such a small amount of time, but there's just incredible excitement that is around it. And you're watching and looking at this, and I think I must be getting old. Because as exciting as watching that bull riding was, you want to know what my mind thought about most? The after effects. In fact, after every single bull ride, um, you'd see one of those young men get off and they're holding their wrist just in pain, right? Or they're limping, holding their hamstring or their knee. In fact, one guy even got stepped on. They wear these flak jackets, these flak vests. And from up in the stands, you could hear that hoof hit that flak jacket, that vest, um, saving his chest. And so all I could think about was, that is incredibly painful. And they're going to pay for that for a lot of days afterwards. Now, 
maybe I'm getting old because the excitement of bull riding uh, was, was kind of um, not near as exciting as thinking about how many ibuprofen they were going to have to take in the days it would take to recover. But I think we understand the excitement in being in that dangerous sport. And so maybe it's not bull riding. I, I loved watching it. I don't think I'd actually want to do it, even if I was able to do it. But maybe there are other things that you enjoy that, that the world would deem as dangerous. How about skiing? Being helicoptered into some backcountry area, um, skiing double black diamonds, um, ju just completely at the mercy of the mountain. Maybe it's skydiving, right? Jumping out of a perfectly good airplane with nothing but a parachute on your back. Right? Dangerous things that we maybe choose to do. Is it driving your car really, really fast, maybe drag racing? Maybe you enjoy motorcycles uh, and not just cruisers, but you, you want crotch rockets, the kind that go really, really fast um, for a long period of time. Um, maybe you want to swim with sharks. Maybe you want to wrestle an alligator. Um, there are all kinds of things in our world that are incredibly dangerous, but give us all kinds of thrill. In fact, um, you'll pay big money to do some of those incredibly dangerous things. Today, that's what we want to look at. And I think if you're anything like me, maybe you felt that life has become a little more dangerous lately than it used to be. And I don't mean in the, in the terms of like bull riding or jumping out of an airplane, but if you're anything like me, uh, I feel as though I, my, my awareness and kind of my cortisol levels are just at 10 all the time. Because everything we see on the news, every report that we hear um, involves COVID and the economy and racial injustice and all of these things that bombard us. And it just feels to me as though this is an incredibly dangerous time in our lives. And it feels to me um, as though life is just kind of spiraling down. And so maybe you're not looking forward to jumping out of an airplane or drag racing your car or riding a motorcycle. But my guess is on some level, it feels as though life is a little bit more dangerous today than it was six months ago. Well, I've got something even more dangerous for you today. In fact, Jesus has something even more dangerous for us here today. And I know that all those things that I listed, um, if some of you are with me and you're statisticians, you know uh, that all of those supposedly dangerous things maybe have lessened degrees of danger. And so we talk a little bit about perceived danger versus the reality of danger and percentage chance of us getting injured or getting sick or, or dying and, and all of those things. But at the end of the day, we feel intimately the danger of that. And what do we do? Oftentimes we recoil from it. And so I've got something that's even more dangerous than any of those. How about this? Sharing your faith. Super dangerous. Now, okay, I know. You're thinking, okay, pastor, you're kind of making this a little dramatic, right? Sharing my faith is not as dangerous as riding a bull. Well, I'd beg to differ. In fact, Jesus would beg to differ. And in fact, as we look in our text here today, the reality of it is that living your life as a Christian has cost. And to be truthful, it's incredibly dangerous. 
Jesus didn't beat around the bush. He didn't hide that fact from his disciples, and he doesn't do so for you and I to hear today. And so that's specifically what we're going to look at. If we call ourselves Christians, if we are followers of Jesus, we have signed up for dangerous living. And that's simply going to be what our theme is today. We're going to look at, at what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? How does Jesus calm those fears as believers? But then ultimately, what opportunity we have in our dangerous Christian living to share Jesus with people that desperately need it. And so let's jump into our text here this morning. Uh, it's taken from the Gospel of Matthew. And uh, the, the setting, the historical setting of what's happening here with Jesus is that he is sending out his disciples into the region of Galilee and Jerusalem to share their faith about the kingdom of God. So he's essentially saying to these young men, you're going to go out and you are going to share your faith and the good news that sins are forgiven in Jesus. But that was not an easy task. And it's amazing because if you go back to the beginning of chapter 10, um, Jesus doesn't hide that fact. In fact, he says this is going to be incredibly difficult. It starts out pretty good in verse 1 of chapter 10. It says, Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. Now, you're thinking, well, that wouldn't be so bad, right? And probably the disciples are thinking that too, thinking, okay, we're going to be able to perform miracles. We're going to actually be able to help people and rid them of disease and drive out impure spirits, that Jesus' power is going to be with us. And that is absolute fact. In fact, they could have done nothing, none of what they were about to do unless Jesus' power and his spirit were in them and with them as they were going out. So that was verse 1 of chapter 10. But then Jesus goes on to um, kind of peel back some of the realities of the reception that they would receive. Um, he goes on in verse 16, he says this, and it starts to get a little bit ominous. I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Now it's at that point, you've got to maybe wonder if the disciples are thinking, um, this is not the greatest of pump-up speeches right? Uh, that, that Jesus, um, you're not really giving us lots of courage of what we have to do. And then he goes on in our text here today for our consideration in verse 24, he says this to his disciples, the student is not above the teacher nor a servant above his master. It is enough for students to be like their teachers and servants like their masters. If the head of the house has been called Beelzebub, how much more the members of his household? So how about that? for a pump-up speech to get you to go out and share your faith. Jesus is incredibly practical and honest with them with what's going to happen. They are going to have his power and have him at their back and, and they are going out on his behalf. And yet the reception that they were going to, to receive at times would be less than joyous. In fact, when he tells them that a student is not above the teacher nor a servant above his master, what he's saying to those disciples is, if people call me these things, don't expect that they're not going to call you the very same things. If people treat me like this, you can fully expect that people will treat you like this. And what exactly did our teacher, our master, Jesus, our Savior, go through? Well, he was humiliated and he was persecuted and he was beaten and he was eventually convicted and falsely tried and eventually death on a cross. And so Jesus is saying and knew that all of these things were in his future. And he's saying to his disciples, 
And he's saying to you and I, if they do these things to me, do you think they're going to spare you? The answer is no. So Jesus is preparing us for the reality of what it means to be a follower of him. But here's the good news in all that. It wasn't for nothing. This isn't a fool's errand. This isn't martyrdom or suffering just for the sake of suffering. Jesus lived his life and he suffered and he was humiliated, but he died on the cross and rose again. And so he was ultimately victorious and his victory is your victory. And so when we call ourselves followers of Jesus, we do so because we follow Jesus. And he walked through death to life. And that means that our sins are forgiven. And so we follow Christ because we follow something that is much bigger than ourselves. In fact, something that lifts us from the temporal world around us and even the death and the hardship that we endure. We live our lives for Christ because he has lifted us from death. And so if we call ourselves Jesus followers, if you call yourself a Christian, Jesus tells us we ought to expect these things. When you signed up to be a Christian, you signed up for dangerous living. But the good news is, Christ has walked that path before us. And you also signed up for victory. Victory in him and sins forgiven. And so that's where Jesus brings his disciples and you and I. But the reality of it is, we may know that intellectually. But emotionally, it's a lot harder to do, isn't it? In fact, I'd maybe say this. It's much easier for us to call ourselves Christians than it is to live as a Christian. It's much easier to intellectually be a Christian rather than a Christian in action in our world. The same was true for these disciples. They had a lifetime of suffering and hardship ahead of them as they lived out their lives as followers of Jesus. Jesus knew what they were going into. And so he makes every attempt to calm some of their fears. And actually three times in these short eight verses, Jesus says, do not be afraid. Now he wouldn't be saying that if they actually weren't afraid. They were. They had fears just like you and I. They were just as afraid of being followers of Jesus as you and I are. And so three times Jesus comes to them and says, do not be afraid. And he addresses three areas of that fear. He talks about truth, he talks about life, and he talks about value. And he says, do not be afraid when you're confronted, confronting the truth, when we're talking about loss or when we're talking about value. I want to look at all three of those areas where Jesus specifically says, do not be afraid. The first is in verse 26. Jesus says, so do not be afraid of them, for there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. And so he's talking specifically about truth. He's talking about um, um, things that that are hidden away versus the reality of what will come to be. And this one is incredibly important for us. You've maybe heard recently and hear quite often people on television say, well, I just want to make sure I'm on the right side of history. And that's noble and that's fantastic. In fact, maybe we have said that, saying, I want to be on the right side of history. And it's an earnest attempt to to say that we want to be on the right side of justice. But here's the really hard thing about that statement. See, being on the right side of history 
we know that history changes all the time. One generation's heroes are the next generation's enemies. And so when we say we want to be on the right side of history, that's incredibly hard to do because history is continually moving and changing and culture is changing and moving and it seems to change as the winds change. And so rather than saying we want to be on the right side of history, as believers, let's make sure we're on the right side of truth. And that truth is Jesus Christ. And Jesus tells his disciples, there will be times when it looks like you are in the wrong, but in the end, all truth will prevail and everything will be revealed. And so if we want to be on the right side of history, we ought to be on the right side of Jesus because in Christ we find truth. And so our fears, we want to be on truth, with truth. But then he goes on in verse 28. Jesus says, do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. So this one, he addresses their fear of loss. What's the worst that this world can take from you? Your finances, your family, your health, your abilities. Those are all things that would be hard to lose, certainly. But at the end of it, the worst thing this world can do is take away your life. Jesus reminds them that even in that, even in death, for us as believers, you have victory. Victory in Christ, eternal life in him. So he addresses fears of truth, fears of loss, and last one he addresses our fear of value. In verse 29 he says, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth many than, more than many sparrows. Lastly, Jesus says, don't be afraid because of your value. And if you ever doubt your value in the midst of earthly struggles, then look at the cross. You are valued enough that Jesus Christ would lay down his life on the cross for you. You were valued enough that he would willingly give himself in your place, that he would suffer death, humiliation, and isolation from God above so that you would never have to. If you ever doubt your value, and if the world causes you to doubt your value, then look to God and look to the cross because you are loved more deeply than you could ever imagine. You are loved enough that Christ would lay down his life for you on the cross. And so in three different areas, Jesus says to his disciples and to you and I, do not be afraid. And he says so because he knows how difficult it is to live as a follower of him this side of heaven. Christ is with you and with us. And so he says, do not be afraid. Now, did those disciples take that to heart in their Christian living? It's a good question, right? I'm going to ask you two questions. First is, do you think people knew that Jesus' disciples were followers of him? Like, do you think that it was evident to people around them that these disciples were followers of Jesus Christ and his truth? I think they did. Now, were there blips? Did Peter himself have a moment of weakness where he disowned Jesus. Absolutely. It was not a, a purely upward trajectory for these disciples. They suffered the same fears and struggles as all of us. And yet we know that they lived their lives as believers in Christ. Most of them would suffer. Many of them would be stoned. 
many of them would be brought up on trial within uh, their, local, their local courts, and almost all of them would die for their faith as martyrs. Do you think people knew that the disciples were followers of Jesus? I think absolutely. In fact, I think we could make the argument you and I wouldn't be here now if they hadn't made that known amongst their world. Was it dangerous? Absolutely. In fact, it cost many of them their lives. But that faith and that Jesus isn't just something that happened 2,000 years ago. Because we ask ourselves the very same question. Do people around us, do your neighbors, your family, your friends, and those in your community know that you are a follower of, a follower of Christ? I think it's a good question to ask. In fact, I think it's an important question for us to ask as believers. If we want to take Christianity from being something intellectual or merely cultural to being a reality in how we live and how it affects how we live, we've got to ask that question. If you were to ask the loved ones in your life, your neighbors and the people in your community, if they know if you were a Christian, what would the answer be? If you're anything for, like me, I, I think maybe far too often they wouldn't know. Because how easily it is for us to simply just, just float along. How easily, easy it is for us um, in the blessings and the freedoms that we enjoy in America to simply float down the river and keep our heads just low enough where someone would really have to flip a coin whether they knew we were a Christian or not because it was simply not that obvious. If that's the case, I think we've got to listen to Jesus' words. I think we have to lay our sins and our fear at the foot of the cross and ask God for forgiveness and ask God for courage. Courage to live dangerously and to share that gospel fearlessly. Now, what does that look like in our lives? I think it can take on lots and lots of different forms. And so how each of us shares our faith is going to be slightly different for each and every one of us. Your mission field is different than uh, your other brothers and sisters in Christ. And yet there are some commonalities. There are opportunities where we can let our faith and our light shine. And it involves sharing Jesus telling others who Jesus is and that their sins have been forgiven, but it also involves living life as a believer, living life as a follower of Christ, which is inherently dangerous living because it is going to involve loss. And you've probably felt it already. Living your life as a Christian, you'll incur loss, loss of friendships, loss of love, loss of connections, loss of power, loss of finances, because being a follower of Christ is inherently dangerous. But there are areas, I think, where that can shine most brightly. When we live our lives as believers, it can be dangerous because it will look different than the world around us. Maybe how you treat the gift of sex, living your life according to the biblical sexual ethic, saving sex for the sanctity of marriage, not sleeping around, not cheating on your husband or your wife, treating your bodies as a temple to the Lord and the bodies of those with whom you love and interact with in the very same way. Maybe it's power, 
how you use your influence at work or within your community, using it not for your own personal gain, but rather for the good of those who do not have the same levels of influence. Maybe it's standing up for justice and against injustice. Maybe it's standing with and having the backs of those who cannot stand up on their own. These are all areas where we as believers will live dangerously, but also let our light shine gloriously. And is that easy? It's not. But here's what's at stake. Life. Eternal life. In fact, Jesus said it. The world can take everything away from us, including even our own living. And yet we have eternal life in Christ. And so as you live your life dangerously with the gospel, and as you live your life as a believer, there is nothing short of of, um, the consequence of being able to share Jesus with those whom you live with. People that are entrapped in sin, lost and dying without Christ. That's the privilege we have as believers. And so is being a Christian dangerous living? It is. But it's also glorious living because it brings the freedom of the gospel. There are lots of lists on the most dangerous things that you can do in your life. Uh, They'll go through the statistics on some of the most dangerous jobs, some of the most dangerous sports. Uh, But the one that I found uh, the the funniest was um, one of those lists lists the most dangerous thing that you can do in life is to be born. Because you know why? Statistics show that one out of one dies, right? The most dangerous thing you could possibly do is simply being born. It's maybe a sobering thought, but I also pray that it directs us to exactly why we have been born again in Christ. Because if we are born and destined to die, then we desperately need a Savior who will lift us to eternity and eternal life. And we have that in Jesus Christ. And so this week, join me in dangerous gospel living. Share Jesus with those who don't know him. Live as a Christian, as a follower of Christ. Let your light shine and ultimately that light point to Christ. Life is dangerous for everyone. But in Christ, we have eternal living. Amen. And now we continue by confessing our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. We're going to speak this responsibly this morning. Uh, It's our opportunity to confess the very same faith in the very same Savior that Christians have been doing for thousands of years. So the Nicene Creed, beginning on page four of your service folder. In a world that has difficulty believing in the one true God, but is so ready to believe that our universe happened by some unknown accident or by a random series of events, what do you believe? We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. In a society that often teaches that Jesus was just a great human teacher, a wise prophet, or just one way to God, what do you believe? We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became fully human. 
While many put their trust in things or people that they make into their gods, what do you believe that Jesus did that proves he has conquered death and is true God just as he said? For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. Those who refuse to trust the Lord are without hope, but what do you believe that gives you hope not only now but for all eternity? We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who in unity with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. At this time, we thank you for remembering us in your offerings and your donations. Your generosity helps us continue sharing Jesus with our community in a formal way. Uh, and so we thank you for those donations. You're welcome to either send those donations to the address you'll find on your screen, or you can give electronically, which is what many of our members do. In our prayers today, there's a few individuals we want to remember in situations. We want to remember Claire, who is a friend of CVL. She had um, a freak accident subsequent surgeries and was in very grave critical care. Um, she's had another surgery and has seen a little bit of improvement. She's far from out of the woods, uh, but she has seen some improvement. So we're asked that the Lord continues to be with her. Uh, we're also going to pray for any of those that may be suffering from mental health um, or addiction issues during this, um, this isolation um, due to COVID and, and this kind of more isolated time in all of our lives. So let's go to our Lord in prayer. Lord, today we come to you on behalf of Claire, a sister in Christ, and we ask that you be with her. Um, strengthen her not only spiritually, but also physically. Help her lungs continue to gain strength. Let the surgeries that she has undergone um, be correct and, and fix what was broken. And, and Lord, we ask that you heal her and get her back on her feet. Lord, we also ask during this extended time of isolation and, and uncertainty that you be with those who may be struggling with mental health, those um, with depression and anxiety, just those that are struggling, which um, includes many of us. Lord, we also ask that you be with those who may be struggling with addiction because isolation can also be incredibly hard um, when that temptation is at your door on a daily basis. And so be with us, be with all of those who may be struggling uh, either with mental health or with addiction. Give them strength of mind, body, and spirit. Remind them that they are loved um, and that no matter what they are up against, that you are in fact stronger and bigger. Um, be with them, walk with them, and help us to walk with them as well. And now, Lord, hear us as we bring you our personal prayers and petitions. And now we pray the Lord's Prayer, and you're welcome to join me together at home. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, 
but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Lord's blessings on the rest of your week, and we'll see you again here next week.